This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, Davo, we already find ourselves at the third episode in three weeks of Season 5 of HFC Chat. How are we doing, my friend? I'm very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, keeping well, keeping well. So let's get right into it with a little bit of talk about Blythe, which obviously ended in a nil-nil draw at the weekend pre-season encounter. We'll talk on the away kit very briefly, which obviously has got some incredible reviews. People seem very happy. And then we will go on to the juicy stuff, which of course concerns the interview that Switcher Play podcast hosted by Mark Simpson and Mickey Barron did with former gaffer Graham Lee. There's plenty of people having their opinion. We've got our own thoughts. We've got different talking points and we're excited to bring that to you. But without further ado, we'll just have a quick look at the comments from the Blythe game from people that actually went. We, of course, didn't. Um, We were sat in Costa instead, Uh, (laughs) which I think was probably the better choice. However, let's take a look at the comments. So. The ever-reliable Mark Carroll. It wasn't the best of games, but players got more minutes. We created more in the second half and Dixon made a terrific double save. Just under two weeks of pre-season left and hoping we see more incomings. We still need additions to provide competition and strength in depth. And we actually asked him from that, where do you want to see us strengthen? Mark reckons we need a right back or a right wing back even if Dodds was to be first choice but also additions in the final third which I think we'd both agree with um, that assessment Will Proctor's put we played well to be fair just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net which is obviously quite a fundamental part of football he didn't put that I just added that bit um, Dave King Grayson looks excellent Obviously, he's one of the trialists, Simon Grayson's son. I'd still give Mancini a go. He's another of the trialists. And then the third trialist, De Silva, is fast but no end product. Both goalies look excellent, which is really good to hear. Um, Burton looked good, but is a bit naive still, which will obviously come with time, won't it, with the age that he's at and, you know, his development um, that will hopefully happen at Pools. And then Umra doesn't look unfit which is good, and the two Mannies look good. The rest are all okay. It's a very controversial ending to this tweet, but he said Crawford isn't for me, like, which, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinions, but I've seen quite a few comments, actually, contrasting that, which we will read in due course. Um, There's been another comment here. Dixon and Jameson both look very strong goalkeepers. Hasty's still very shaky, but could be something there. Grayson can ping a ball, and we need to sign him. And Mancini, De Silva was decent, but caught got caught offside a lot. We'll get on well with Josh Umra then, won't he? Because <laughs> uh, we all know how often Josh likes to get caught offside. Super John Askey has said, I wish it was him in our Twitter comments, but he said, I'd say it was a bit lacklustre. There were signs of brilliance and positive movement. The midfield looked solid. Grayson picking the ball and Crawford really getting stuck in. The final product looked shaky and the players lacked the drive they had against Berra. It comes with time. Joseph put Dixon should be starting goalkeeper. Mancini looked good in moments again, and we need to invest in another wide player. Dougie signed Grayson and Mancini. Hasty needs to go, and both keepers made 
class saves and great to see Jordan Cook back. We echo the sentiments, don't we, Davo of Jordan Cook? Before we read the last couple of comments on Saturday's performance, just you know, tell us how good it is to see a player who's clearly been struggling, um, obviously with his injuries and stuff, and that'll have taken such a mental toll. Was it 567 days since he last kicked a football competitively as well? It was something like that, yeah, 567 days since last featuring for Pools, which I think was New Year's Day in the National League, I think it was Oldham away, I think. Yeah, and he looked sharp, he went off, I think, after about 10 minutes, but he looked really sharp in those 10 minutes. He did, but no, full of admiration for Jordan, obviously he's been working very hard behind the scenes to get fit, keep fit, so hopefully um, this season we see a lot more of Jordan and hopefully he can contribute in, in some way with goals, assists, etc, but yeah, fair play to him. No, definitely. Last couple of comments then. Mark Stratford put, thought the lads looked tired after Scotland. Still plenty of positives. Midfield is where we're short all the way across. I'm looking forward to Tuesday though. Just on that, I have no issue, you know, with the lads being tired after Scotland because if you're doing three training sessions a day and ASCII's drilling fitness into them, that's going to pay off in the long run, isn't it? You know, we're, we're going to be much fitter. We're going to be much further forward than you know, having spoken to Cross much, you know, and, and other and seeing other things on Twitter, it does really appear that the players look and feel quite, you know, well, they feel fit, they feel in good shape and, and that's really positive. Um so yeah, that's um you know, that that's for me something that I don't actually mind. I'm not saying Mark's kind of criticizing them, but for me it's a sign of a good training camp in Scotland. And then we've got one last comment from Isaac. She says, thought we played well, just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. So, yeah, let's just touch on that, though, actually. Brings up quite a good point. As I said, you know, I've I've seen quite a lot on Twitter about how the lads looked a bit tired. But I've got this consensus. and, And as I said, you know, it appears that the players feel fit and they feel in good shape and perhaps you could just touch on I know we talked about last week when we were talking about the Borough Review and we were talking about how important pre-season is for actually making sure that you get the style of play implemented correctly it's all about the fitness and and the performances I mean would you rather see a tired performance but knowing the lads have worked really well or does that concern you that we weren't looking fresh? No, 100%. You know, last season, one of the biggest issues through most of it was the fact that we were unfit, we didn't look sharp. So this summer was all about, you know, going back, stripping it all the way back, you know, right down to the fundamentals and getting these players sharp, getting them fit. And I don't mind it. You know, I think it's evident to everyone how hard they're working at Scotland, on the grass, in the gym, you know, even doing runs, it looked as if in different terrain. So no, for, for me, I don't mind. It would have been nice to see Pose beat Blythe. It's a team we should be beating, but... I think when it comes to pre-season, you know, it was all about getting these players fit for August 5th. So for me, I'm not going to complain too much about it. Oh, entirely. I think, as I've already said, it's so important that we hit the ground running this season because we know how we have to do that. So for me, if if this pre-season camp has tired us out and it takes a little bit of a of its toll, in the couple of games, well, that's just short term because in the long run, we're going to be so much fitter. We're going to be ready to compete. And, and that's exactly what we need because let's be honest, Paul Hartley absolutely screwed us over with the lack of fitness um, last season, last pre-season as well. We really paid for that, didn't we? So before we go on to the switch of play interview, Pills tweeted this morning, the away kit is on sale and it's flying out. Lachlan has his grab yours both online and in store now. It's fair to say, isn't it, Davo, that away kit has certainly proved popular with Pills fans. It has. It really, really has. It is different. It's sharp. It's clean. I do like it, but I'm going to ask a question because I've had a few people say it on social media and I heard someone say it last night because I was out. Some people have raised the issue could it be a bit of a colour clash with the home kit? So, i.e., if we do need the away kit, if we are away from home, people are trying to argue that there isn't much difference between the home kit and the away kit. Therefore, 
if there is going to be a colour clash with both kits, what kit do we play in? If that makes sense. It makes sense what you're saying, but I don't really see how that's a clash. One's blue and white, and one's like, I don't even know what to describe the colours as. But before you say, I'm not saying I agree with both. No, no, I know. I don't think, I just don't think it's a clash. I, I don't think, I don't see how, you know, as it says on the website, We've stepped away from tradition whilst tying in with a home shirt with the red trim and the HFC embroidery on the neck. Now, for me, that's the only resemblance. I don't really see much else. I mean, I'll just quickly touch on it. It says, as you can see from the launch, this shirt is designed to be worn by anybody, anywhere, and will look just as good on the streets as it does on the terraces. From generation to generation, we travel in style, a kit suitable for all so we travel with pride and in numbers in our new threads. Prestige Group and the PFC Trust are the sponsors. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see where people are coming from with the clash, but everyone's entitled to have their own view, and of course everybody sees it differently. But yeah, I think it's a really, really smart kit. I think the launch was a touch of class, getting all the different generations involved, you know, people from different backgrounds a couple of ex-players and stuff and um Jill if you're listening we're still getting our head around how you get absolutely everywhere Davo's still absolutely gutted uh, that he hasn't been invited down and you have um but uh yeah no it was great it was great to see you know that, that it had different they had kids involved they had women involved they had players involved and of different age ages it was absolutely fantastic so yeah, really, really, you know, positive with that launch. Sometimes I think with polls, the the kits don't really get you excited. But I think this year they've, they've done well and, and I'm looking forward to seeing that kit. Well, it may not feature at Barnet, of course. We may be in the home shirt because Barnet obviously don't play in blue and white. But I'm looking forward to whichever ground it comes to first. And I'm sure it'll absolutely fly off the shelves, shelves judged on the uh, reaction that we've seen from people. Davo, I'm sure you'll be getting it, won't you? Oh, yeah. It'd be rude not to, wouldn't it? Well, yes, it would indeed. Now, this part of the podcast, it certainly will divide opinion in terms of everybody is going to have views on Graham Lee, everybody's going to have views on what he says and, and views on Raj Singh, etc. But... We've got, well, I mean, I watched it and I jotted 30 bullet points. Now, obviously, some of them tie into each other, each other, so I won't go into absolutely every one of them, but I think it's really good that we can talk about this and, you know, there's been quite a few comments. We've had 11 replies to a tweet we put out just this morning and we're only recording a, a couple of hours after putting that out, so that's brilliant to have that engagement and, and something before we carry on is that, you know, we're loving everybody keeping getting involved. Please keep doing it because, you know, the podcast will continue to grow and, and hopefully be able to reach more Pools fans. But let's get right stuck into this then, Davo. And I think before we talk about different bullet points, perhaps you could just give us your overall consensus coming away from having watched that and um, and what were your, what was your gut feeling, would you say, um, having sat down and missed the fact that part one wasn't about the juicy stuff about um, what he was going to elaborate on. But perhaps you can talk us through the whole thing and, um, and yeah, just how you're feeling, really. Wow. I mean, it was interesting, wasn't it? It was very, very interesting, I think, to say the very least. Um, some, I would say, worrying points have been made from Spike. I think... We're all aligned um, when it comes to Lee Rust. I think it's quite evident that this guy, for me, is a bit of a coward. He's saying one thing to one person, but then I get the impression that Lee Rust isn't man enough to then go back to the chairman and say how it is. So if you're not going to do your job properly, you communicate what should be communicated to the chairman, then what's the point of you being there? Because the club's not going to progress. And quite clearly, Graham Lee didn't get what he wanted in, in more ways than one, obviously, he discussed many different points. He 
you know, from contracts, the fact that we don't train on grass. Yeah, I think we should just give some more context for that for people who haven't actually watched it yet. So just in terms of Lee Russell, sorry to interrupt you, Dava, but basically some of the points that were made, I mean, Graham said categorically, Lee Rush should be nowhere near a football club. Those people are losers. Now, when you hear that, that's alarming in itself. But just a couple of things. So apparently... He was panicking and running around everywhere. He was on a three-month trial basis and Lee was asking, um, he was getting asked, what do I do now after January? And as Graham rightly said, that is not a question that should be coming, um, should be coming from someone in, in that position. So I think that's one of the things. And then obviously about the the whole contract situations that... um that Graham touched on it. And I think it's really important that we clear up here that we're not making any of the accusations. It is completely what Graham Lee has said, and we're just repeating that. Um, so yeah, that that's just a bit of context. The fact that he was saying that you get one thing done and, and just completely going and doing the other. And he clearly doesn't seem to have a clue what he's actually meant to be doing at the football club, as you said. So do carry on, Dav. I just thought I'd provide some context for those who haven't actually seen seen the interview. No, that's absolutely fine. But no, that in itself was alarming. Um, I've lost my train of thought now, I'll be brutally honest. Um, but no, I think basically what I said, I think it was quite an alarming interview. Obviously, there was different points that obviously we we're going to discuss together um, in a few minutes, but... Yeah, I think for me, it just shows and it just highlights again the the fact that, i.e., the people who are at the very top of this football club, from the chairman, you know, in the boardroom, quite clearly shouldn't be here. Um, there's people at the football club who clearly don't have any kind of knowledge on how to run a football club, what football decisions that need to be made, you know, decisions that need to be made, which is in the best interests of this football club to bring us to where we need to be, especially when it is something as fundamental as training on grass. You know, that's not Graham Lee being awkward. That That's every football club should have access to training on grass. I mean, I don't know if that's changed now since John Askey's been at the football club. I mean, I know we're at Derham. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. So we've actually had a reply to the tweet this morning, which comes from MBWL Durham. I think he fooled himself about being sacked. He came when we were eighth, three points off a playoff spot, steady the ship. He needed to keep the run going. Now, this is the bit we're talking about now. He's put on the pitch, pulls train on grass. I know this because I work at Maiden Castle. My office overlooks the pitch. They only train on 4G if the weather is bad. Interesting. Very. But you bang on what you're saying. I mean... Just again, to provide context, Graham basically said that the grass pitch would have been much better. There were a lot of injuries that came from training on 3G pitches, 4G pitches. And he actually says he spent a lot of time trying to find grass pitches. He was driving around. He mentioned Blackhall as well, um, looking for somewhere where it would be permanently on grass. But it's just all these little things. I mean, as we say, we've got to take everything that's been said as Graham's word, we we don't know any other, you know, we, we don't know any better than him. We don't know exactly what's gone on. But yeah, as you say, it was alarming. So that's the training facilities bit, you know, kind of cordoned off. I think one thing that really stood out to me was the whole thing around, you know, there was obviously a huge drop off in performance levels um, after the end of, well, after the Newport game, really, wasn't it? I mean, it's interesting, Graham said, it was a huge mistake, whoever wrote, we've done it, lads, when we hit the 50-point mark at Newport, and that hindered us pushing on, and Graham was massively disappointed by that. I mean, we've had lots of conversations, haven't we, both on the podcast and off the podcast, about why did we drop off like we did? Now, a lot of people say it was injuries, some people just say it was a lack of ambition to keep pushing on. Some people say we just ran out of steam. And because of the pre-season, the lack of pre-season we had the season before, that was the reason for that. But, I mean, what a defeatist attitude if that is the case, that once we've just hit the 50-point mark, we're comfortable, don't you think? 
Oh, very much so. We didn't need any sort of motivation because we had it. You know, I'm not being awful. I'm not saying we would have, but we were on the doorstep to the playoffs. Mm. If them players looked at the table, we had every reason to kick on and try and have a good end to the season. You know, we had some favourable games still to play after Newport. Um, still some tough games as well, but we had every reason to give it absolutely everything. Um, but I, I think if you're going to ask me, I think it wasn't defeatist. It wasn't a lack of effort. I think generally it was just fatigue. It was just players who were burnt out. You know, we spoke to Crofts, I think, towards the back end of that season. He said he was playing with injuries and he said he could have picked out a three, four, five old players in that dressing room who were playing with injuries. So I think for me, I, I do believe Spike when he says it wasn't down to a lack of effort from his point of view or the players. I think it was just a fact of, i.e., these players were just, I think they were just knackered. Yeah. It, it, you know, it was probably, in my opinion, it was probably a, a mixture of factors. Some players thinking, right, well, we've reached that point now. So, you know, we're there. Or some of the staff, maybe. And then you've got lots of players with injuries as well. And, and you know, that that can't be helped, unfortunately. But, again, yeah, another interesting thing. But not the most, you know, what would the word be? Not the most shocking thing that, that came out of the interview, I think, before we go on to the talk about the contract negotiations that went on and the potential incomings that he was talking about and, of course, the Gav Houlihan situation, I think it's important we talk about Raj Singh and the actual sacking. And I know we all said, all three of us in the group said, you know, with the whole way that Graham conducted himself throughout the interview, he could have easily fully gone in on a lot of people there but he acted with a lot of humility a lot of respect and probably held back on a few things he was wanting to say in order to you know protect his character as well because he's someone as he said who doesn't like to you know throw shade on people and you know keep bringing things up in the past but Let's just talk about Raj Singh. So a couple of points, and we all know this is exactly what he's like. He just constantly worries about what people think of him. Mickey Barron said, it's kind of a case, we're going to chuck you overboard to protect to protect yourself, as in, i.e. Raj is going to chuck Graham overboard to protect himself. And let's just talk about that meeting then. So Graham said on the podcast that he had a call Thought it was going to be about recruitment. He gets into the meeting and um, Graham did clear up that there was no incident that happened, um, you know, at the player player awards, the end of season play night. But he also said they opened the meeting, as in Graham, by asking how Raj's son was and things. And, and then Raj just went, it's time for change. And I think Graham obviously reacted how he would expect him to react, really. And, and he said, no, it's time for change. And Raj basically said that the players were not playing for him. And as we were just saying there, you know, players were, were about just about getting on to the training pitch. They were strapping themselves up. And he said that that's not the case. He said, if you're going to use that argument that players aren't going to play for him, he used Martin Smith as an example, he said he's trained harder than any other player on the training pitch and he was hardly getting any minutes. And he said that was because Smudge had said, I just love playing for you. And, you know, he said Smudge just wanted to train hard because he loved playing for the gaffer. And, you know, for him to come out like that and then basically say... I mean, this is probably the most shocking bit about it. He said, you're finished, you're sacked. And as he was walking out the door, he said, do you want to stay for Saturday for that Scunthorpe game? And Graham went, you've literally just sacked me. I mean, Davo, how embarrassing and shocking is that for someone to be treated with such disrespect? Um you know, to sack someone, say players don't want to play for you, say it's time for change, and then go, do you want to stay for Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it's massively distasteful. I mean, he deserves a lot more respect than that. Um, 
it made no sense, you know, at the time. Even now, when you look back, it it makes no sense. I mean, we were safe. We had two fantastic cup runs. There was no justification in the world to sack Graham Lee. Had, and I think Graham even touched on it herself, had Graham walked out the building and we replaced Spike within a couple of weeks and you saw that there was a plan in place, you could justify it a little bit and say, yeah, fair enough, there's a plan in place. And Graham said the same thing, but there wasn't. The sack Spike and it took weeks, I think it took a couple of months just to bring in Paul Hartley from Cove. At the end of the day, shambolic handling of the situation. It was a shambolic decision. And it just basically set off what happened. The season just gone, basically. It was the start of a long list of poor decision-making from top to bottom. And it just basically sums up the football club over the last year. Well, I think it's more deeper rooted than that. I think it goes back further than a year. But interesting, Raj as well apparently said, they'll come for me if we don't have a good start to the season. And Graham rightly said, look how, look how it all started. So, you know, last couple of things on the, on this situation, Graham had said, you know, Scunthorpe away, the players, um, you know, Spike and... Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And the staff and everyone was, was united. I mean, we were there at Scunthorpe and, and it was a great feeling, wasn't it, really, after the game in terms of, you know, there was interaction between Spike and the fans. There was interaction um, between players and the fans, of which you decided to say to Jake Hull, who the hell are you then? Um, <laughs> obviously, alcohol had well and truly taken over in usual Davos style on an away day and I hope to be honest but um, I'm not painting you out to be an alcoholic or anything Um, but I think he's right you know and he says he knew that he wouldn't play please every fan but he was actually excited for next the next season and he thought we wouldn't be a million miles off from where you know where he wanted us to be and I think you know he he still he still he still clearly believes that doesn't he um so yeah it's it's all all very interesting with that and I, it just boils me blood even more the way raj has acted around the sacking but again it's not surprising from that man the sooner he's out of our football club the better and you know he, he just continues to continually treat people with a lack of respect and only seems to care about himself now that's even further strengthened. I shouldn't laugh, but it's further strengthened when it comes to the whole contract negotiations. And, you know, Graham said he had meetings at the end of January with Moles, Crofts, Timmy, Fergie, Joe Gray, but it was all left to the club. Um, He wanted the new contract sorted within the week of of talking to them. He told the players that that was going to happen and the club never contacted these players' agents and then, of course, other clubs start coming um, in for them. Came to March and, and it was still nowhere near it. And Timmy, Graham stresses, Timmy wasn't on a good wage. Um, apparently, again, this is Graham's word, nothing to do with us. But it was a £100 pay rise. And Graham just said it was absolutely insulting. And the players thought that's what Graham Lee actually valued them out. You know, and, and apparently... Calling, uh, Graham Timmy came up to him in training and said, Gaffer, is that really what you think of me? And, you know, that's sad, isn't it? Because 
that puts strain on a relationship between a gaffer and a player at a point in the season where we're actually starting to build something again. And I think one of the most distasteful things um, about that is that these players actually wanted to stay at the club, but it was, again, just it's just insulting. And, of course, it's important that we stress and, and we don't want to seem like we're just trying to cover our backs and things, but it is important, isn't it, Dava, that we stress that this isn't coming from us. This isn't our information. This is all just stuff that's come out of this switch of play interview. And, you know, this is Graham's word. We don't know either way. We're not going to say, yes, it's 100% correct. No, it's, you know, bull. We we don't know, unfortunately. But apparently as well, Fergie had agreed his new deal a week before he got sacked. Um, and then they announced it in the aftermath of Graham actually having his sacking confirmed. I think that was on the it was on the Friday, wasn't it, Daryl? Because I came over for the final home game of the season for Colchester, and I think it was on the Friday. Um, we we're walking through town, and and that tweet came through that Fergie had signed a new deal, and everyone was like, "Oh right, you know that's interesting. Why has he signed it after Graham Lee's gone?" But according to Graham, that deal was done well before then. I mean, how does it make you feel? Um, because I know Mickey Barron also said about word actually gets around clubs about how the club treats players and you know that if that it's kind of seen as a warning in the words of Mickey I mean how did you feel hearing that from Graham? Yeah frustrating I mean again it's it's hard for us because we don't know what's genuinely 100% factual and what's not so we can only take this with a pinch of salt, but I mean, if this is to be believed and this is to be true, then but it's frustrating. You know, Graham Lee clearly had plans in place. He clearly had, in his mind, a picture of what he wanted Pearl to look like come the following season. So it is frustrating, you know what I mean? And again, it just goes back to the idea that Pearls operate this football club basically on the first sniff of like cheapness. Do you know what I mean? Like, He'd went to Timmy, uh, you know, like you've just touched on there, you know, you're not on a good wage, it's not respectable, I want to double it. And they come back and say, we'll give him £100 more. It's like, where's your ambition? Do you know what I mean? He's clearly trying to keep our best players tied down and, you know, clearly getting no support at all from the football club. It's just, it's just pulls. It's pulls all over. It really, really is. And And the sad reality is now, nothing surprises me. Like, nothing... Graham Lee said kind of went, oh my God, that's shocking. Because it's just, it's typical. You expect it from polls now, don't you? Which is the sad thing. Yeah, and it's embarrassed Graham Lee as well. I mean, we know we're in this conversation now about potential income and contract negotiations. Apparently he had a confirmed meeting with Harry Chapman and had to cancel that with him because he got sacked. He had to ring him up and say it's it's not happening. Um, And he did genuinely have these players lined up. What he was trying to bring in would have had leaders at the back. Pugiani was one of the players that was ready to come from Oldham. He said he had goal scorers ready as well. He he, he did say that he wasn't gonna, you know, go go on to say everything about every player that um he had lined up, but he also touched on the fact that every recruitment meeting Chris Trot Trot had all recruitment options there and you know he had what they bring to the team, what the strengths, all that type of stuff. And says it was all just a mess, and it was completely bypassed by Hartley and Co. And it was quite interesting to hear Spike talk about the fact that, you know, Chris Trotter actually comes with such a good reputation. He actually does have, he did have, sorry, that plan in place to get these players in. And to hear that it was just completely kind of thrown away, it's just just extremely frustrating, isn't it? I think frustrating is putting it mildly. Um, but you know another thing about the contracts day after signing Bogle Graham apparently gets a call saying you know Bogle didn't cost the full budget that he had available for a striker that's what Graham kind of said in in the podcast and and he said he got a call the day after telling you know saying tell Cullen he can rip his contract up tell him he can go and um, Spike actually still wanted him and he says to this day he should have stood his ground and kept him. And I'm not being funny. When he did leave, I was surprised because I, I thought he was doing a job for Pose, don't you? Yeah, I mean, Mark isn't someone I would have just said, you know, let go. Uh, you know, and, and, and Spike said that himself. Do you know what I mean? At the time, he needed depth. 
I think he knew at the time injuries were going to be a problem. Um, so yeah, that's just a, I don't understand that either. I mean, it's just, it's such a, it's a bad mentality to have just to say to someone, oh, there you go. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, and then obviously as well, which you haven't touched on, obviously the club were, were panicking. So they, they desperately went out and signed Marcus Carver. Yeah. Which I think Spike knew it wasn't going to be the answer. And it's unfair on Marcus as well, because he's been bigged up to be this player that, you know, he's coming on board, he's going to solve our problems because that is exactly what we needed, someone to solve our problems. And, you know, he'd been struggling with injuries. He wasn't in, he wasn't at the fitness levels according to Spike. And I think we all saw that. We saw glimpses of what he could do. But I think there's undue pressure put on him. And I'm sure he felt completely disrespected as well by by the club. 100%. And I must say, we've spoken to Marcus Carvin. I think his heart was in the right place. His head was in the right place. He came here with every ambition of trying to be that striker to come in, score his goals and help move the club forward. So I think it's like you say, I think he's just put in a bit of an awkward situation and hopefully it's, it hasn't left a bit of a, a sour taste with him. But if it has, then you can't you be understand it, don't you? You do. You really do. It's it's not what you want to hear that you were just, you were signed because basically it was a panic buy. It's not. Well, it's like, it's like when, you know, Raj says, oh, I didn't know anything about the gaffer or, He's just a panic appointment, like he did with Graham Lee. I mean, I'm not too bothered that he said he didn't... Well, I'm bothered that he didn't know... Uh, he's saying he didn't know about um, Paul Hartley. Like, that is really worrying. But in terms of Paul Hartley, it's a bloke I don't have a... I won't give him the time of day, so he can uh, carry on in his existence in Scotland. But um, before we do go on to talk about the big discussion point, which has caused a bit of turbulence on Twitter with Gav Houlihan, the last thing... Spike touched on was how he was trying to build actual genuine relationships with the Northeast clubs. He was taking time to put presentations together, go into the clubs to deliver them. And he said that he started to have a real positive response back to that. And one player he mentioned was Hayden Hackney, potentially available. Obviously he's a Borough player and I know how Pulse fans feel. And I have in the past, we always go to the youth of Borough or Sunderland. But Hayden Hackney, I've seen glimpses of him you know, playing for Borough first team last season and, and I would have been impressed to have had him at Pulse. I think he would have been a really astute signing the way he's gone on. Don't you Don't you agree with that? Oh, 100%. That would have been a very shrewd signing. I mean, young prospect, he's 21, you know, from the area. Being at Scunthorpe, you know, I'd have been very impressed to see such a name come through the door. Um, but again, I think when you when you condense it all down, it's just, it's a simple case of A, what could have been and B, basically what should have been. And C, death taxes and Raj Singh doing things on the cheap and screwing people over. You know, yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, those three things all come together really. Um, but I think it's about time we tackle the very big issue, so to speak, that's come out of the podcast, which is obviously it's a very tough discussion to have again. And, you know, we've got to, we've got to say what Peter's, Peter's just tweeted whilst being recorded. He's made two tweets and they're both very good. The first one says great interview and very insightful, but my thoughts were exactly as others have mentioned. It was all Spike's point of view, which I was just saying about this whole Gav situation before we touch in, touch on it it you know spike said it from his view um and sadly think the only way we'll ever know what the truth is would be if he'd been kept on on his comments on gav i find it hard to believe he's a poor trainer given what he did for us and he's now smashing it at grimsby furthermore even if his stats in training were poor what he did in games spoke volumes i know there has to be rules but common sense davo do you agree with pete it's a very yeah. Uh... It's a very difficult topic to navigate for us. Um, from my point of view, as a fan, Gav never never appeared to be that player to lack effort or lack application. He always seemed to to give it a hundred percent. He chipped in with some good goals from midfield, um, which makes this conversation even harder. When it comes to the whole data of the GPS vests, that kind of thing, which is where this conversation has kind of 
took a turn with, with Graham in the interview. Only Gavin, the club, will only know the full, true picture of, of that. So for me, as a fan, it, it would be very hard to question Gav's application. It really would. Oh, definitely. I think for myself, I agree with you. I agree with a lot of people. It's hard, isn't it? Because for a lot of us, we absolutely adored Gav Houlihan. And again, as Peter said, to see him go on to what he's achieved with Grimsby, consistently performing. I mean, we all know how we felt and how we reacted when Gav moved on. And we were all extremely disappointed. Now, it was quite interesting that Spike also said about how we only look back on these players now because of what we've just had in the past season, which is a very, very big comment to make. I mean, do you, before we carry on, do you agree with what Graham said there? Again, it's difficult. I mean, I do understand where he's coming from, from one point of view. I mean, had we did well last season under Paul Hartley, for argument's sake, then... Yeah, we, I think, we I think he's more getting at the point of the players that he was able to bring in. You know, the likes of Harry Chapman, the likes of Pirgiani. Like, would we have missed Timmy as much if we had Pirgiani in, for example? I think that's what Graham was getting at. I think, again, it, it, had we done well, then no, you wouldn't have. It's all if buts and maybes, isn't it, at the end of the of course, day? Of course it is. Of course it is. I mean, if you if we... Had we done crap that year under Graham Lee, had he been kept on, then you'd said, oh, well, why didn't you keep so so why didn't you do this? But mm. you do well, then no questions are asked because you're doing well. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think with the Gav situation, again, it, it's, as with the whole interview, it's all Graham's point of view. I think I agree with a lot of things he said. I think a lot of us agree with things he said about Raj and Lee Rust. There's no denying that from both the Twitter replies. We've had what we've read on Twitter, speaking to people individually, etc. But with this Gav situation, this was one of the talking points that I kind of struggled to get my head around. And I, I feel there's a lot more to it, especially with the comments that Emma actually... Gav's brother brought up on Twitter about, he brought up a screenshot, didn't he, of an article. Um, I don't know whether it was a Northern Echo or something like that. And it had actually said the complete opposite to what had basically been said. So, look, it's just, it's so, it's so difficult to fully know what, what the ins and outs of each situation was. And the one with Gav, I kind of, you know, have mixed mixed opinions on it. I, I feel like there's more behind the scenes, again, relating to contracts and stuff like that. But I, I can't be making any comments and, and sweeping statements because, again, I don't know the actual facts of the matter. I think it's even harder to, to gauge an opinion because of the fact that Emmett's come out. Mm. And he's he's trying to spin another narrative to suggest that that wasn't the case. I mean, he came straight out and said, it's strange that Graham, as the manager of the football club, never once cited the fact that Gav's stats were apparently the reason he wasn't playing. Never mentioned it to Gav or in previous interviews when asked about it. In fact, he stated the total opposite in previous interviews, which is the point that you've alluded to. Obviously, he brought up a screen grab of an interview he did with the Northern Echo and basically what was said in that interview was said. So it is certainly interesting and it will be interesting to see if Gav speaks out Mm. And maybe does a little bit of a a statement to say, look, this is the true. But it's like you've said, I think from listening to Spike, Mickey Barron, I think there could be a, there could have been a lot more said, but they haven't. Yeah. They've, they've skated around it and basically said, we'll say what we'll say, and that is it. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, you kind of understand that in a way. Mm. As I said to you, from a selfish point of view, I just wanted him to fully tell us everything, fully go into absolutely everything in great detail and and really give us a whole gravity of the situation. But he hasn't done and and you know, if if he feels comfortable with that, then you know, we obviously respect that and it's still shed a light on the utter mess that the club is behind the scenes and I think one thing that we cannot dispute and that we do know as concrete fact is that Graham Lee still loves HFC, still holds a club 
close to his heart. I know he said about his son Grayson and how he'd found that difficult, um, you know, not being able to be at pools anymore and how sad he was. And he obviously loved going on the pitch with his dad. And it's, you know, that it's not up for question, questioning what the club means to Spike. I don't think anyone would dispute that, but a lot of things, a lot of things made sense. A lot of things provided clarity, such as, you know, when Spike talks about whoever wrote that reaching the 50 point mark, and then you tie that in with the injuries. It explains our poor end to the season. I think kind of reaffirmed, especially for me, what a joke Raj Singh is. And Lee Russ is clearly just absolutely clueless. But to hear, you know, some of the things that go on, that should not be happening at a football club. It's not the way you treat... Well, it shouldn't be happening anyway. You do not treat people like that. You just don't, you know, in regards to contract negotiations, potential incomings, just every... The way the club deals with things, for me, is just wrong in so many ways. I don't know whether you have anything else to add on the whole situation. I haven't really. I think we've said quite a lot. We've said quite a lot away from the podcast, I think... What's been said's been said. Um, to be honest, I don't want to get drawn into it. I mean, I'll take it with a pinch of salt and and basically just if anything comes from it, you know, time will tell. But for me, it's all about focusing on pools at the minute. You know, we've got a pre-season game on Tuesday and we take one step at a time and we look forward to August 5th. Well, I actually seen something as well that said about the club haven't made any statement in regards to this. And that in itself tells you something. And that there could be truth behind that tweet in terms of what you're saying does make sense. I don't want to read too much into it, but I can also see where he's coming from. And I think if the club was to make a statement, then that gets the club fully involved in it. And then that distracts from things. And for me, I think it's best that it's just left. And we now, as you say, focus on on what's under John Askey, the players that we've got at the club now and, and hope and pray for a takeover to to happen as soon as possible because as soon as that happens, this football club, I'm confident, will actually start to move forward because whilst Raj Singh is at this football club, Hartlepool United will not go any further because the man is an absolute choke. I get the and, impression you don't like Raj. How, did you? I, I, don't know, know. I don't know how you've got that impression because I, I, know, I don't really yeah. like to talk about it. I quite, you know, I like to keep quiet about Raj. You know, it's not worth really getting involved in it all. Um, you know, I might drop the occasional comment, but oh, yeah, for me, um, the best way to end that whole conversation is the Northwest Corner says, just shows how much of a mockery our club is. With him at the helm, and we are an embarrassment. Lee Rust and Raj Singh, a lot of blood on your hands. Lee Rust, just a puppet for Raj. And Raj, my word, what a bad chairman. I think brilliant, brilliantly put. Um, absolutely fantastically put. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't in previous episodes or up to now, you know, know how I feel about Raj Singh which I'm sure you haven't failed to uh, notice, then no, you certainly do. But let's end this episode on a more positive note. And I know something that came out um, from Lee's interview was about how he's been able to spend more time with his family and things. And I think it'd be good of us to kind of say how, if you are able to and, and it's something that you want to do, I know Graham touched on the fact that I think there's still a GoFundMe page for his wife, Gemma, who's obviously really struggling um, you know, with her condition. Crystal Palace did an awful lot of good work for her when we played them in the FA Cup. And obviously there was that charity match at the end of last season after Graham got sacked, I think. Or was it, yeah, it was. Was it after Graham got sacked or was it before Graham got sacked? Ooh, I think it was after. Point. It must have been after because he wouldn't have been allowed to play on the pitch before Colchester at home. 
But anyway, the point the point still stands. Um, I think there's the opportunity to still donate to the treatment and things. So if you feel like you're able to and you want to, please do um, have a look for that. But Devo, we're getting closer. It's now, you know, less than two weeks until the new season starts. I'm sure you're getting very excited. Um, struggling to sleep at night, are we? I am. I am. Each night gets tougher and tougher, which... Brings me on to another point. If you are going down to Barnet on August 5th, tickets are on sale online, direct from Barnet. Adults priced at £22, concessions £14, under-17s £5. Yeah, that is. But, wow, you'd, yeah. be, you'd be good at doing that job, you know, like reading out adverts on the radio. Oh, this is it. I have been uh, told many a time for a voice for the radio, so who knows? Got the face for it as well. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> I've only no, you, you look good next to Ali McCoyce and Laura Woods. Yeah, oh, I bet. <laughs> well, no, I am, I'm absolutely buzzing for August 5th. I cannot wait. Hopefully some more additions through the door, some more outgoings. But Not yeah. hopefully, we need it. We do. we do. And yeah. it needs people out the door like Brody Patterson. He can get on his bike as well. Well, I haven't seen him this pre-season, so I'm actually not going to comment. Well... The better. It's probably better you haven't. I haven't either. So, um, no, we we said we we're going to end this on a positive, uh, positive note. So, you know, let's all hope that this season can be won. There'll be another episode out before the season starts, without a doubt. We will look to get guests on, um, for that one. But thank you once again for listening. That wraps up another episode of HFC Chat, the third one of season five. Um, you know, we hope you've enjoyed it. We hope there's been plenty of you to, plenty of stuff for you to get your teeth into and and kind of discuss with whoever you love talking pools with, whether that be family members, friends, group chats, whatever that may be. But thank you for the continued support. I know we're closing in on 1,250 followers on Twitter, and you know it, it's um it really does mean a lot. And we, we I know we say it quite often, but we're both really grateful for the support that we've received and continue to receive. So. Without further ado, make sure you keep the faith. Make sure you keep backing those boys. And of course, never say die. We will see you in episode four of season five of HFC Chat. We'll see you very shortly. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.